Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Well, here we are. Hope you brought your Bibles. You know, apps are okay. I don't know, there's something about a Bible. I'm just firm and, you know. And I use my app too, but boy, I just love having my broken down Bible. So, are you, are you glad you're here? Yes. Okay. All right, let's go. Um, we're, I'm, uh, if you were at church this morning, it's going to be a little different than what Chris preached. There's no way to preach the same thing. So I'm going to just handle a little bit differently. Uh, but we're going to talk about new heavens and new earth tonight. Frankly, I love talking about heaven. If you've been around me long enough, you know, I, I actually read, try to read at least one book a year on heaven. And uh, I was at Barnes & Noble yesterday. I just about grabbed it. There's a whole book now. And they compiled all the books on heaven and put them in one, one thing. I shouldn't have told you that because you'll go and get it now. And, uh, but it looks to be pretty good. I'll have to check it out first before I recommend it. But um, we're going to talk about this tonight. We're going to take some things out of God's word. And, but before we do, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us in this, okay? So, Father, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'd speak to us tonight. I pray the Bible would come alive. And there would come uh, just a revelation that, that would go deeper than we've ever encountered. Lord, we need more understanding and wisdom from you. We need the word to come alive. And Lord, the Bible says we, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So we pray that there be a proceeding out of your mouth tonight. And we would understand. Open our eyes, open our hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me try to explain something before I jump into it. I think most Christians are dumbed down. I think we get saved. I'm not talking about you. This church is so good, you know. But many Christians, they get saved. They get through the gate, and they stop. And there's so much in this word that is so big and powerful. Um, and, you know, I, I think when we, when we, uh, when Jesus has us with him and we're in heaven and we're delighting on all the good things of, of Jesus all together, you will, there will never come a time when you say, I got it. I know everything about God and Jesus. For eternity, we're, there, there's revelations going to come. For eternity. And so I want to I hopefully describe uh, something tonight. This Bible starts and finishes with something. Very interesting. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Now, whenever you write a story or write a book, what do you do? You start out with the first, if you're a writer, you start out with the first paragraph or first chapter or whatever, and you kind of summarize what you're going to be talking about. And then by the end, you culminate and you complete it all. 
right? It's no different from God. God's the greatest adventure writer of all time. Now, what he has attempted to do, he started out in Genesis 1 and 2, and I'll, I'll hopefully describe this to you. He writes about creation. I call it first creation. And then throughout all the Bible, now let me just say it this way. Was God caught unaware when Adam sinned? There's no way that God can get, una- uh, get caught unaware. He knows the beginning from the end. So God, because of his immutability, which is his, he never changes, his omniscience and his omnipresent and his omnipotence, he knows everything from the past and everything into the future. Now, you and I can't comprehend that. Just, it's just too much. But that's who God is. And so he knew all that, and he had already prepared everything to happen. So this whole book right here is narratives, stories, illustrations, pictures, all kinds of things to give to us, to try to describe to us what happened in the past, what is occurring in the present, what's going to happen in the future. If you don't understand your history, you will never understand where you're going. If you don't understand your, the, 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 the legacy and your past and what God has done for you, you will never truly have a complete picture of what God wants to do in the future. Now, the Bible's so good because it gives you the history and it gives you the future. So we're going to talk about that. Is that okay? So we, we, we take the first two chapters of, of the Bible, and it's fascinating because in the first chapter, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, do you know why there is so much turmoil today in the world? Because people do not believe that God created. Once you understand that God creates, you understand that he owns. Once he owns, he can define your life. And his definitions then become the principles we live by. He sets the parameters of everything if he creates. The reason why there is, for instance, I was just reading today about the the newspaper was saying, the New York, New York Times or something, saying, well, man, they're just, they're canceling out of all of this, all this transgender stuff out of, out of, out of our culture. And I'm thinking to myself, where did it come to begin with? In other words, what I'm saying is, how did God create in the beginning? If he creates, then he has the right to own. So that's why people who who are having trouble with biblical marriage, they don't believe that God creates because once you know that God creates and he puts things in order in a certain way, you can't violate that or you will cause a disruptiveness in your body and in your spirit which cannot be fixed outside of God's help and creation. Oh, this is so good. I hope you're catching this. This is why people are all, all over the map because they have not understood the absolutism of God's creation. So if you catch what I'm saying, so he, he, he writes this narrative in Genesis 1 and 2, and, and he puts it all out there, and you see his creation, how he took every day and he created things, and then he says, oh, it's good. And then he gets to man, and he creates man. He says, oh, that's really good. 
He calls it very good. And we get to Genesis 2, and, and God takes the man, and he says, oh, this isn't good because he's all by himself. You see, God always wanted community. And so he takes the man, and, he, and you know the story. He, out of the man, he creates the woman, and he puts them in a garden called Eden. That was always God's intent in the first creation. Now, you've got to watch this. This is so cool when you get to Revelation. So God puts him in a garden with a river actually becoming four rivers. The four rivers represented going to every, every direction, north, south, east, and west that God would cover the earth to the north, south, east, and west. And then he puts a tree, he puts all kinds of trees. He says, you can eat of all the trees except for one. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he, and you know the story, and there was another tree in there called the tree of life. Now, fascinating enough, they, we know the story, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they they abandoned that, and they violated God's, and that turned everything. Eating brought death. That's why you've heard me say fasting can bring life. And eating the right thing, eating God's word. Now, are you still with me? So that's the beginning. And we look back, and we think, oh, man, God's really good. But then man fell, so God started the narrative. He wasn't surprised. He started the narrative. That was the first creation. He goes, and we, we uh, go to Revelation. It was the revelation of John, the apostle John. And uh, he just comes up with this amazing picture. So I'm going to read this. Is it? Do we have it on the screen? Yeah, do you have Revelation? I can read it on my Bible. I have a Bible. I can. Is it up there? Okay. Okay. Um, let me read it to you real quick, and uh, if hopefully they have all the scriptures. Then I saw a new heaven. This is Revelation chapter 21. Okay, chapter 21 and 22. Now, here's, here's, if, if you know the beginning and you know the end, then you can put the pieces together in the middle. See, here's what I'm concerned about. I believe Christians are so ignorant of certain principles and certain things in the Bible See, without a vision, the people perish. If you aren't thrilled about where we're going, you're going to have a hard time living now. Without a vision, the people perish. So you've got to have a vision. You've got to know where we're going. So then I saw a new heaven. This is, Paul, or this is John. And a new earth. And for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away, the first creation. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That sounds pretty good. Okay, and, and he who was seated in the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. And remember what I said? There was a river in Eden. There's also a river in the New Jerusalem. 
He says, the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son or my children. And, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Not a place I want to be. Then just jump down to verse 22. Do you have 22? Verse 22 says, And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. All these things, if, if, boy, if you understood, every, almost every word is symbolically powerful. And they will bring, it, bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Isaiah 60. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, keep going. Uh, let's, let's see. Is that... Uh, yes, let's go to verse 1 then. Uh, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, here's John seeing this picture. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. Why 12? Sort of, but more than that. 12 months. This, that wasn't a trick question. That was just 12 months. There's 12 months. So 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Stop. Okay, so we got the first creation. Things happen. We're on our way. We're at now the end of the sixth day. Do you know, uh, the Bible says uh, a day is as a thousand years. Twice it says that. It says it in Peter, and it says it in Psalms. The Bible says in, in, in the mouth of every, if, of every word, there has to be two or three witnesses to it for it to be true. So God says in two places, he says a day is as a thousand years. In other words, God took how many days to create the creation? How many days was it? These aren't trick questions tonight, okay? Six days, which is how many years? 6,000. Do you know how many days it's been since Adam was here? We're at sitting at almost 6,000. And then he says the next 1,000, if you go to Revelation chapter 19 and 20, talks about the millennium, but we're not going to get into that tonight. But, he's, but he talks about that, and he's, he's expressing this amazing story of coming from the first creation, and now he's going to do the new creation. Now, um, he says this. He says in Revelation, I just read all this, so I'm just going to kind of explain it all to you, okay? I'll explain it all to you, and, and in that, put some principles. He says this, I'm making all things new. It, it, 
if you remember, that kind of refer. have you ever heard that in, in the book of Corinthians before? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, but you are a brand new creature in Jesus Christ, right? Behold, all things are passed away, old things are passed away, all things have become what? New. new. So here, here's the point. God always puts signposts and foreshadowing in our lives now to declare to us what actually is going to happen in fulfillment. In other words, we get a piece of it, we get just a taste of it, but the fulfillment and the totality of it will be in the new creation. So when you're born again, you're, all things are become new. So he says... Um, and we were talking about, even Chris was talking about it this morning. Have you ever had a brand new moment in your life? Something just was brand new? Uh, you had a brand new experience. You had a brand new car. You had a brand new, uh, you know, discovery. And everything's brand new. It just things open up for you. Well, in, in this, God is saying, I'm going to bring a brand new opening for you, a new heaven, and notice this, and a new earth. Now, here's, here's what he was saying in, that, in the first few verses of Revelation 21. He's going to give us, uh, there's going to be a brand new birth. There's going to be a brand new wedding. This is all in Revelation 21. There's going to be a grand new recovery, a great recovery. And there's going to be a permanent guest. God is coming to dwell with us as a permanent guest. Now, this is fascinating. Now, signposts, as I was saying, point into the unknown future. And John is, in a signpost, John is saying, because it's impossible for God to describe to us in our finite thinking and language what really is going to happen. So he has to paint pictures and hopefully give us something so we'll see that. So John is trying to say this, and John basically is saying, it's like this, but much, 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 much more. That's what he's saying. And so he's trying to describe that. He says, a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, it's going to be new in a new way. And uh, newness, newness is going to be renewed. In other words, new gets nude. Gets brand new, okay? And, and it's not just a transition. It's a renewal of all things. All things become new. All things become new. So new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, new people, where everything's new. You ever smelled a new car? Just new. When we get to heaven, we're going to have a new smell in heaven. You know, new, new fruit, new everything. Just, oh, just going to permeate. I believe there are going to be smells in heaven that are just going to make you, oh, this is so great. It's going to happen. Because we are going to be new people because we will be awakened to find ourselves beyond the reach of death Tears, pain, no more. I'm trying to paint a picture here. I'm trying to get you excited about this. Now, the, this picture that we're seeing isn't about a heaven where we go one day. And earth is just this shabby, second-rate, temporary dwelling place. That's not what this is all about. No, this scripture is telling us it's even going to be a new earth, a earth with, is, is this glorious place of God's glorious creation. So we're going to have a new heaven, a new earth. So we're not, we are left not only with a new heaven, but also a new earth 
joined together completely and forever. So in other words, and Chris keeps talking about this, it's a reality, it's, it's actual form, reality. The, your, you will have actual bodies that the, the reality of life is, is, is much the same. I keep telling people, and I had people come up to me and ask me questions today. I keep telling people, heaven, in our heaven, our new earth heaven experience in the new creation, it's going to be like earth, only much, 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 much better without the curse of sin. One guy comes up to me and says, well, Pastor, it sounds like you're just going to go to heaven and get bored. No. It's going to be the greatest vocation. Want me to tell you? Everybody's going to have vocation. You're going to have goals. That's what happened to Adam. God gave Adam a goal, a vocation. He's going to do the same thing with us because that's the foreshadowing of the signpost for the new creation. The new creation is God's ultimate I don't know, I, I just love talking about this stuff. So, so we're, we're, we're joined together completely and forever, heaven and earth. Now watch this. Now in verse 3 of chapter 21, it says, God dwells in the temple in Jerusalem with his people. Now, if you remember, um, what's Christmas all about? Jesus coming to earth and dwelling with, say dwell. What does John 1 say about it? John 1 talks to us and said, the word was made flesh and what? Dwelt among us. What does the word dwelt mean? Inhabits, lives with, right? That's, that's what he's saying here. And, and the, so cre, uh, uh, Christmas is about incarnation, right? Jesus became human. God became human and came and dwelt with us. Now, do you know what? This is all new. That was first creation. Now we're going to new creation. And this is what is that? Boy, you got to catch this. This is, uh, we got to talk about these things more. Because we just, if, if you don't understand the vision of where God's taking us, you will eventually get discouraged and not want to have all the hassle of life. If you have a vision of what life could be, everything you have to go through is worth it. Okay, so God says this, what God did in Jesus in being the incarnate Emmanuel, God with us, God is now doing this with him on a cosmic scale. In other words, it's just not Jesus dwelling with us. Now in the new creation, God is dwelling with us. you get that? And, and, and he says, and I read it to you. We will see his face. Now, if you saw his, if, if in, in the New Testament, the Old Testament, if you saw his face, you were dead. So he never would let them look at his face. But, he, but look, watch this. He, God, in, in the new creation, God is coming to live forever in our midst And he's going to bring healing and comfort and celebration because his presence will be here, will be with us. So incarnation is the key topic in our thinking about God's future world. It is God himself dwelling with us. Yeah, Jesus is going to be there too. (laughs) But catch this. 
Heaven and earth were joined together in Jesus. Now heaven and earth will be joined forever and ever in the new creation, new heaven, new earth with God. In other words, the whole trinity is there. It's all set up. And this, remember, this is the closing scene in the Bible. So if, if, you, if you write a book and you end the book, you want to make sure they understand the most important thing in the book is the closing scene, which culminates and completes everything. That's why God in Revelation 21, 22 is putting this all together. It isn't about how you just lived in the first creation. I'm going to build this amazing new creation of new heaven and new earth. You thought I was going to do away with the earth? See, we have, been, we, have been, we have been sown a bill of goods with most theology in the Christian church. We've been told, well, just get to heaven, you know, just get saved so you can get to heaven and then everything will be okay. That's not what it's all about. It's, yeah, get saved so you can, you can have the new birth, enter the gate of God into the new kingdom, but in the new kingdom you grow in such a way that you prepare yourself for the new creation. See, what happens here, God is, cre God is preparing your body, soul, and spirit for the new creation. And some of us don't want the change. You're not going to be very comfortable in the new creation if you don't accept God's changing factors now. Okay. I is this making sense? Some of you are, oh, I don't know, man. See, this is not just a, what I just said. It's not a vision of just humans going up to heaven. It's about New Jerusalem coming down. God isn't throwing away his first creation. He's just renewing it. He's, and it's not, he's not saying, I'm, I'm renewing it because I didn't do it right the first time. No. Do you know the new creation, new heavens and new earth, was always what God was going to do? It was always what he's going to do. He just, we, we just had this, this time where, where the new, the, the, uh, there was the problems and difficulties that we had to go through. But this is an utter transformation of heaven and earth. And the new world will be like the present one, but without the features of death, tears, pain, sickness, iniquity. Come on. Now, Chris went into depth today. Um, making sense? You give me 15 more minutes? Because we haven't even touched the good part yet. Then he says in John 21, he says, no more see. And I, I pondered this too. Chris was talking about this this morning, how he says, well, how come there's not going to be sea? I kind of like the ocean. Well, the sea in Scripture is not good. The sea was, was actually represented the dark force of chaos, which threatened God's plans and, and God's people. And monsters always emerged out of the sea. And it, the, the new creation is this, it's no more sea, no more chaos, and no more monsters. The first creation, the center of the picture was Jesus. And this, this is interesting. All the talking, if, if you see the Bible, God isn't speaking. Jesus is speaking. The Word is speaking. First creation. Now in the new creation, God steps up and starts addressing things. If you look at Revelation 21, it says, God says... God says, you go to the book of Revelation, God starts speaking. Why? God starts speaking in the new creation. And that's, 
God himself, notice this, it says, God himself will wipe away every tear from your eye. He doesn't give it to a junior angel to do that. He does it. I don't know about you, but I like that. He wipes away every painful memory and experience. It's a brand new whole world. Now, then we get into Revelation 22. Stay awake now. Come on. Revelation 22. Now, think about this. Everything in the, in the Bible basically is a foreshadowing or a signpost of what's going to happen. So, God, picture this. What is scaffolding for? Scaffolding is to put around buildings so you can build the building inside. So, what if, uh, what if a builder decided one day, I'm going to make the scaffolding so beautiful that it'll just be awesome and people just admire the scaffolding? Well, that's kind of what happened in the first creation. In other words, God put a scaffolding that we could look at, it's, and it kind of tells us what the, what the form and shape of the, the creation would be. But what is a scaffolding for? To build something inside of it that will be majestic. No matter how beautiful scaffolding is, it must be removed so that, so that the ultimate reality can be seen in all its glory. Is that not good? So... God has to take the scaffolding away. What's that? It's the first creation. It's that which we see. He's going to take it away so we can see the majestic building of creation that he has put together. And, and he says this, and besides that, remember I said signposts. There's not going to be a temple in heaven. Why? God's there with Why do we need a temple? God's the temple. He's, he's the ultimate the temple was just a signpost. And that is what the New Testament is mostly about. It's mostly about signposts of what we will have in the new creation, new heavens, and new earth. And then he says this. And he says, the earth, remember? New heavens, new earth. The earth. Now this can't happen in first creation. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's Habakkuk 2.14. And then he says this, so the glory of God is going to be in the new creation in the earth. Now he says this, even the sun, now the, there's not going to be any, any sea and there's not going to be sun and moon. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like the sun and moon. You know, the sun by day, the moon by night. No more sun, no more moon, because they're only scaffolding. Because God himself will be our light. And his light will, will just shine over us. And it was, it was a significant signpost. But he, listen to me carefully. If I would wrap things up in this, Christian theology is based upon the goodness of creation. That's what it's all about. Which points to the new creation. New creation, as I said, is, was not an afterthought because everything had gone wrong. God's design just had to, be, had to be arrived at by a long winding path, often tear-stained, often blood-soaked. But creation, now watch this, creation, first creation is not abolished. Creation is fulfilled in the new creation. Now what does it say when, when Jesus, boy, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting really theological here, but you've got to stay with me. What does it say about Jesus? Jesus came not to destroy the law. 
He came to what? Fulfill the law. Jesus came not to destroy the earth. He came to fulfill the earth, which brand new transformation. When, when you're saved, you know what happens to you? You're, you're, you're transformed. You're metamorphosed. That's what the Greek word is. You're totally transformed. Now, what happens is, so creation is not abolished. It's fulfilled, and creation is renewed from top to bottom. Everything is changed brand new. We get to live in this great new creation, new heavens, new earth, etc. Now, Isaiah, there's so many pictures of this in the Old Testament. Isaiah 60 is about the nations coming to God and bringing, bringing their gifts, etc. Now, it says here that they're coming in the open gates. Gates, if, if I didn't read this, but the, it talks about in, in, in uh, uh, chapter 21, it talks about the, the walls, the foundation, what kind of stones will be there. It talks about the gates. Gates no longer in new creation are for defense Therefore, decoration. And you know what it says? It's one pearl. Every gate is just one big pearl. And the streets are glass transparent gold. Look, looks like goldish glass. And every foundation, there's, a, there's 12 layers of foundation of, of precious stones. And it's just, it's just amazing how how John is trying to describe this, and it's just difficult. And now, the city, this, the New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem comes out. I, I kind of see the New Jerusalem as, the, as the, the connector between heaven and earth. The New Jerusalem, according to Scripture, is 1,500 square miles. And 1,500 miles high. Now, I don't understand that. But that was about the size of the Roman Empire back then. God was trying to demonstrate something. That's a city. That would be from here to almost Texas. That's the size of a city of the New Jerusalem. And so it, it's not a static place. Like a guy said this morning, Pastor, i just concerned that it's going to be really boring in, in Jerusalem, the new city. No, it'll be a bustling community filled with activity. Now, here, here in this city, I'm just describing all this, there's going to be life. The Bible says it's liquid life. The water of life is flowing from the city to the world. It's flowing through the city of the New Jerusalem. It's the great wellspring of life. We will actually be able to see life. It's flowing. You'll be able to see it. It flows to the world, to all creation. You will be able to see that which sustained you and brought you into existence. It's just the river of life. Now, this is, this is what's happened. This is Genesis 1, Isaiah 60, and we go into Genesis 2. Genesis 2, there's a new Eden. In Ezekiel 47, there's a new Eden, where a river will flow out to irrigate the world. Genesis, there were four rivers. Ezekiel, it turns to one river. It grows deeper and deeper. If you go to Ezekiel 47, you see a river that flows deep. It comes to the ankle, comes to the knees, comes to the waist, comes, you know, till you swim in it. And he says, it's one river, it gets deeper, and the fruit trees on either side of the bank of the river, the fruit was for food and the leaves were for healing. And here John sees the river of water in, in Revelation flowing and sparkling on its way through the city streets and out into the countryside. Now you're going to have to catch this. The tree is the tree of life on both banks, and the tree which was forbidden to Adam and Eve 
to eat after they sin because if they would have eaten of the tree of life after they sinned, they would have been sealed in immortality in sin for the rest of their lives. That's why God had to say, you're out. After they sinned, he had to push them out. And God stationed an angel at the east end of the garden so they couldn't get back in because if they would have eaten of the tree of life, they would have sealed themselves to to immortality in, in, in iniquity. I don't want that. So, he's saying this, the river, the, the tree of life isn't just for healing individuals, it's healing for the nations. You ever notice this? The Great Commission in, in Matthew 28 doesn't say, go into all the worlds and preach the gospel to all creation, you know, it's, it, all the creatures, and, and uh, uh, disciple all people. It says, disciple all nations. Disciple nations. And what I believe what God is saying, if you go to Isaiah 60, you'll see this. That God wants to transform. Now, I want to tell you right now, every nation on the earth is corrupt because we're corrupt. But he says this. He says, the healing is not only for individuals, it's for nations. There will be healing of social, cultural, and political means. Every nation I believe you will actually see nations in heaven. And there will be political healing. There will be, no longer will you have these corrupt politicians. And the city, which is New Jerusalem, is for the nations to come and worship, but also that they may come and be healed. So the nations, according to Isaiah 60, go to Revelation, are coming, streaming into the city, worshiping God, and then getting healed. Uganda comes in and gets healed. China comes in and gets healed. Come on. I can just, I just, I don't know. If you guys aren't excited about this, I'm sorry. I'm so excited about this. It's just, it's just an amazing thing. You see, the city is priestly where we have praising God, but this new Jerusalem is also kingly where healing comes and wise order is brought to the nations in God's rule. And this, the new Jerusalem is the centerpiece of the whole new creation. This beautiful city. Okay, and it is the fountain from which flows all that the world needs. The whole earth is to be now full of the God's glory. It's all going to come from the new creation. So you see in chapter 22, I'm just about done. Chapter 22, you see servants worshiping. You see servants seeing God's face. And you see servants reigning forever and ever with God. I don't completely understand the ruling part, but God does. And he's going to put it all together. In other words, what we see in, in Revelation is what it says in the New Testament, a royal priesthood. You're a, royal, you're a kingly priesthood. Now, I close with this. This, is, this may be the coolest part. Is this making sense? You follow me? So, we end up with a brand new Eden, a brand new garden. Notice this. It's a city and a garden. It's a city and a garden. Now, uh, you ever hear of the, the hanging gardens in the Middle East? Many, many years ago, they would have these gardens that were just gorgeous in, inside of a city. Now, when God created Adam and Eve, in the very beginning, he put them in a garden. 
But he eventually wanted them to have a city, to build a city. Why? Well, because he wanted garden elements enhanced within and around a city. Because God understands, he understands city life, he understands country life. And do you know that you were made for both? You see, in your heart, there are certain aspects of your being that you love the country. I don't know about you, but I just love to go and drive, take drives through the country. Connie was raised on a farm at a ranch, and I love to go in the summer and smell the, the mint and smell, smell the, the hay newly cut. And it's just there's something about the idyllic, romantic countryside. We all have it in us. We do. We want to grow things. We want to participate. And some of us aren't always good at it, but we have this desire for a garden in us. Why? Because God put it in you. God put it in you. And then there's this, in all of us, we have a developer's dream of a city. So we have this country draw, and we have this city element in us that we want to see the community coming together and building towards towards what is right. So new creation concludes and it heals both. It heals both the country and the city and brings them together because there's dualities all through all through scriptures. There's heaven and earth come together, bride and the lamb come together, garden and city come together. See, we were made to be in community, but we're made to have both elements in our life. And so right now, right now, this is what's happening. God is attempting to, you, to get you to see, have a greater, bigger vision for what he has in the future. He wants you just not, not, not just to understand the Bible. He wants you to have a vision of how new creation can do something new in your life. And when the enemy comes and assigns things to you and you feel depression, you feel these mood changes, you feel all these things, God comes and he says, no, I can change that. I can move upon you. I have given my spirit to help you. Look at the vision where I'm taking you. And, and, and take authority over those things. Declare with your mouth what God has already spoken. I tell people, you need to say what God says you are. And you need to say it with your mouth. Because God created you in his image, and in his image, he used his, God used his mouth to create. God wants you to use your mouth to create. And when you say these things, I just believe we need to say scripture out loud more. I think we need to declare what God has done in our lives more. I think we need to, to, to declare, I am this, in, in, you know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am who he says I am. And just all those things, all of a sudden, you're saying it. And what you do when you say say it is you create new life in you but what we do is we go and complain about our situation and beg God to change it when he says no I've already planned this new creation in fact the signpost and the elements are already in you you just start saying it if we would start using our confession I think it would just astonish us what would happen in us Faith would come, hope. See, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. I always say, I say, you've heard me say this, your heart only believes your mouth, so you got to say it out loud so you can hear it. Once you hear it, you start believing it. Once you believe it, it starts changing you. Once you decree, declare it, what happens is new creation starts happening in your life. 
and the power of the Holy Spirit comes so that the things assigned to you can be cut off simply by your declaration and confession. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You start saying those scriptures. There's no way that you can leave discouraged once you, once you do that for half an hour. Come on. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to encourage you tonight. Not only do we want to look at the beginning of the Bible, we want to look at the end. See how God's, you know, mapped out this new creation. Get ready, get ready. But in the meantime, we are going to declare God's newness in our lives all the time. We're going to have the right confession, and we're going to see how God can use us now. Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come and do things. Do you know that's why? This is fascinating. Why did God use the manifestation of speaking in tongues for the, for the symbol of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Why didn't he use wiggling of the toes? Shaking of the head? Because it's your tongue that is the key element to your victory and your future. So when you declare and decree God's goodness in your life, his scripture in your life, who you are in Christ, all of a sudden everything changes because the devil knows if he, once you start saying it, you see, once I started saying this when I was in my 20s and 30s, things started changing. I still have to remember to do it because we were taught, isn't this not true? You were taught when you were in grade school, you were taught to read. How were you taught to read? Out loud. But then about third grade teacher says, no, okay, you guys, be quiet now. Just read to yourselves. Well, you know, you understand why. But really, you learned to read out loud. And you heard. I'm telling you, if we will start declaring, decreeing, confessing God's word and his new creation, you can start just reading out loud this new creation thing. It'll stir your faith. And all of a sudden, when you have faith, you can do anything. Amen.